You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, we know that the devil is attacking, and we talked about already the last three weeks how the devil attacks those things that God institutes, faith, love, and hope. Faith, that's the front door attack, where the devil simply attacks God's word, makes us doubt or disbelieve makes us forget God's promises or think they're for someone else. He attacks the, the doctrine that says that Christ is Savior. Love is the backdoor attack. It's where the devil attacks us by tempting us to sin or tempting us when we're sinned against. But if the devil can't get in the front door and he can't get in the back door, he sneaks around side to sneak in through the window. And that is the attack on hope. The devil is after your hope. He wants to diminish it, obscure it, kick it away, destroy it altogether. He wants us to be despairing. He wants us to be hopeless. I think this is a, while subtle, I think this is really one of the things that we see in our own day. I mean, we live in a dark time where hope seems dim. Now, a couple things. First, definitions. We want to make the distinction between uh, the biblical definition of hope and the world's definition of hope. When we talk about hope in general, when we're walking around outside on the sidewalk and talking about hope, it means that we would like something to happen, but we're pretty sure it's not gonna. Like, I hope it snows on Christmas. Well, okay, that'd be nice, but we don't expect it to, in fact. We think it probably won't. Or, I hope the boiler gets fixed in time for Sunday. You know, I have that great expectation, but you never know. Uh, when we talk about hope in this world, it's, it, it's full of doubt. In fact, it's almost a way of expressing doubt. But when we talk about hope in the Bible, the opposite is true. Hope is a sureness. It's a certainty. It's a confidence. It, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's an unwavering, solid stance. In fact, let's define hope this way. Hope is nothing other than faith directed to the future. So God has given us promises about the past, like Christ died for you, and our faith believes that. Your sins are forgiven, our faith believes that. But God has also given you promises about the future. Jesus will come back. You'll be raised from the dead. And our hope grabs a hold of these things. In fact, our hope, the chief Christian hope has to do with how the world will end, that Jesus will return and that we will be raised. Now, one of the ways, and I think there's a lot of ways that the devil attacks hope. I I, I don't have it clear enough in my own mind to make a list out of it. I, I probably need to work on that. But one of the ways that the devil attacks it is he puts a different picture of the end of things. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how the devil gives us a different picture of how things started. We know from the Bible that the way everything started was that God looked with love and said, let there be. But the world, the culture, gives us this picture of, a, of, of an explosion, the violence. And something similar happens at the end of the world. How, how are things going to end according to the, to the common picture that the culture paints? Well, either aliens are going to invade and, you know, eat us all or... The world's going to be struck by a meteorite or carbon emissions are going to make the whole world just explode in a ball of flames or whatever. It's not pretty. But how does the Bible picture the end? This last 
vision of John that he has in Revelation. Remember how it goes? He says, and then I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. That's the end of the world is the, is the most beautiful thing of all. It's, it's, it's a bride walking down for the groom. It's the church prepared to meet her Lord Jesus. It's a stunningly beautiful picture. This is our hope. Our hope is that on the last day, Jesus is going to come. And when He comes, He comes the same way He left. Remember? Hands raised in blessing. He comes to raise us out of the dead, uh, out of the grave, and, and give us eternal life in the resurrection where there's no more tears. This is the new heaven and the new earth where righteousness dwells. Where the lion and the, the lion and the lamb lay down together. Where there's peace and joy. So the devil, the devil attacks our hope in this way. He gives us a different picture of the end. The devil also attacks our hope through suffering. And I think this is the chief way he gets after us. For, for some reason, in our own minds, in our own conscience, and in our own heart, the part of us that has hope is connected to the part of us that doesn't want to suffer. So when the devil wants to destroy our hope and attack our hope, he does it by, by just causing us affliction. It could be affliction in the mind, affliction in our bodies through sickness or whatever, sickness in the conscience or suffering in the conscience, and he just wears us down. He makes us weary with this life. So that, so that there's this kind of drudgery. But yesterday was... Just like the day before, and today was just like yesterday, and so tomorrow is going to be just like today, and hope starts to diminish. Now, the key thing to pull us out of this is, is, that, is that we want to remember that our hope is not only for tomorrow or the next day, but that our hope is chiefly for the last day. Paul says, Paul says it like this. Remember in his great resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if we have, if we only have hope in the Lord Jesus for this life, we are above all people the most to be pitied. If we only hope in Christ up until we die, and then with our death is the death of hope, then we are the most pitiable of all people. But our hope extends past death, past our last breath, past the, the end of our life, all the way to life eternal. Our hope is in the resurrection. Our hope is in the empty grave of Jesus and in our matching empty grave. Our hope is in the fact, the promise from the Lord Jesus that a new day is coming, that He still has promises to keep, but He's never broken His word. I, I, I want to give you this picture. In fact, I'm going to read you this text first. Because I'm convinced that... Uh, that the symbol of hope uh, in the ancient church is the symbol of the anchor. And I'm convinced that that's why we have the anchor on the Cairo on this altar. Because this is, this is Hope Lutheran Church. And that comes from a particular text, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, which says this. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, 
and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, there's a lot going on in that text. It talks about how Jesus is the high priest, but he does his high priestly work not in the temple in Jerusalem, but rather in the heavenly tabernacle, in the throne room of God. But remember, the temple in Jerusalem was designed to match that throne room. God gave Moses the vision of the throne and the angels around his glory and, the, and all the things that are happening there. And he said, make a copy of that on earth. And so he made the tabernacle and then the temple. So the temple is like an earthly reflection of the heavenly throne room. And remember how every year the priest would go into that place and offer atonement. That's a picture of the ascension of Jesus, who would go once for all into that throne room, into the heavenly holy of holies, and sit down at the right hand of God the Father, taking up his work as the priest according to the order of Melchizedek. That's the, that's the big picture. But, but Hebrews goes on to say that this, is, this, Jesus, going up into heaven, is an anchor for the soul. So here's the picture. Whenever you're on a boat, you're there on the boat, and every boat has a rope and an anchor. And whenever you, want, you get to where you want to be, you put down the anchor, especially if you get to the shore. The, one person gets off the boat, jumps into the water, walks to the shore, and puts down the anchor so that the boat will be anchored to the shore. In fact, when I was talking about this this morning, uh, Jean Skagerberg then said uh, in Bible class, she was telling us a story about how they were one time on some sort of barge on a camper on like the Mississippi River which I don't know exactly what was happening, but a storm was coming up, and so they had to like quickly just anchor to the side, uh, to the shore, so that they wouldn't be swept away in the storm and their barge would sink and everything. So they, they got as close as they could, but it was like a swamp. And so these guys had to get off the boat and, and sort of walk their way through the swamp, and it was, there were snakes everywhere and bugs everywhere, and they had to, and there, there were snakes coming up the ropes from the anchor to get onto the boat, and they were like knocking the snakes off the rope and the gangplank, and these guys were going through the swamp to tie them up to these trees so that they wouldn't be swept away in the storm. That's crazy. <laughs> but that's the picture. That you get to the shore and one person has to wade out into the mud and get to the shore so that the boat can be anchored. Well, the one in Hebrews, the text says, the one who goes ashore with the anchor and anchors us to the shore is Jesus himself. And when he did that was in his ascension. That Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, went with an anchor and a rope. And he went into the Holy of Holies and he latched that rope to the throne of God. This is what it says. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered, even Jesus, having become a high priest. So that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he took a rope with him and he wrapped it around the throne of God. That's where the end of the rope is, and that rope comes all the way down and is wrapped around you. I want you to imagine this. That around your heart is a rope. And that rope extends all the way to heaven itself. But I want you to think of it this way. That rope extends all the way through, right, just make that cross right on the altar. The rope goes right through that cross and goes all the way to heaven. You have a, 
an anchor for your soul. And Jesus is on the other end of it. And he's pulling on that rope. In fact, if you could think of it on Sunday like this, when Jesus gathers you here, he's just pulling on the rope, pulling you in. And when it's time for communion, he pulls you all the way up right here. And then when it's time to go home, he gives you a little bit of slack, but you're still connected. And when it's time to get back here, he pulls again. And he pulls, and he puts you right where he wants you. Right here so he can put his body and his blood in your mouth and say, your sins are forgiven. Look, you're connected to me. You have an, you have an anchor for the soul, Jesus Christ. And then one day, one day, Jesus is just going to keep pulling. Pulling and pulling until you're right there with him. Right there where he is. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you will be also. This is our hope. This is our anchor. And we're, we are, I think it feels to us all the time like we're on the boat. And, and, and we are still on the boat. We're still on the water. And things are rocky. And the storm comes up and there's snakes trying to get on, the, on board. But we have an anchor for the soul. You are connected to the throne of God. You are, you are bound up to the eternal life of Jesus. He's got you. And, and this pulls us all the way through our suffering. All the way through all the devil's attacks on our hope. Now, in an amazing way, I want you guys to think about this. In an amazing way, the, uh, our Lord Jesus uses the very things that the devil attacks to overcome him. I mean, remember when we talked about faith, how the devil, when he attacks our faith, he attacks the word of God. But what overcomes the devil? Nothing but the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we talked about how the devil attacks our love. He wants us to be angry. He wants to sin against each other. But how does the, how does the Lord overthrow the devil? Paul reminded us that through our good works, the Lord crushes the devil under our feet. Through our love, the devil is destroyed. And the same thing is true here. The devil attacks our hope through suffering, but the Lord uses our suffering to give us hope. This is how Paul says it in Romans chapter 5. Not only this, verse 3, but we glory in our sufferings and in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us, because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The devil even uses your, can you imagine it? The devil even uses your suffering to strengthen your hope. To make you long more and more for that day. For the day of the resurrection of the body. And life everlasting. I heard this story one time. I think I preached it to you guys. So you'll have to excuse me. But I think it's really helpful. It was the story about... uh, uh, people who were on an airplane that was going to crash. So everyone was on this airplane, but the, the uh, flight attendants in first class versus the flight attendants in the back 
had a completely different approach. The flight attendants in first class handed everyone uh, a parachute and said, hold on to this parachute. It's going to make your flight a lot more comfortable. The people in the back were handing out the parachutes and they said, hold on to this parachute. The plane's going down and this is going to save your life. Now, two very different things happened because the people in first class had the parachutes there on their lap, but they were trying to drink their mimosas and the parachutes were getting in the way. Every time the plane rattled, the parachute would shake and they would get frustrated at it, so they'd stuff it under the seat in front of them. And now as things were really going crazy, the parachute was getting in their way and they got so, they put it in the overhead bin and they were trying, this isn't making things better at all, it's making things worse. And then they crashed and died. (laughs) But the people in the back, every time the plane rattled, they held on a little bit tighter. Every time there was some smoke, they strapped that guy on and tightened it up. It didn't matter if it wasn't comfortable or not. If it didn't, if it didn't make the plane ride easier, they knew that this was saving their life. And so as the plane is going down, we're clinging even tighter to the promise of a new day to the promise of a new life, to the promise of a new world, to the promise of new eyes that can behold the glory of God, to the promise of new ears that can hear the songs of the angels, to the promise of a new body, which is in the glorious likeness of the body of Jesus, to the promise of a new day, This is our hope. And our suffering serves even to strengthen it. One more word. Zechariah, when he's preaching to the people of Israel, calls them the prisoners of hope. Can you imagine that title? A prisoner of hope. That's you. And that's me. We are locked up in hope and we can't escape it. The Lord has such glorious promises to keep. He has such glorious promises to fulfill. And one day we will see them. One day hope will give way to sight. Remember, faith, hope, and love, these three, the greatest of these is love. It's because one day you won't need hope. You'll see it all. You'll have it all in the face of Jesus. May God grant us this hope now and always. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.